Welcome to Walking with God, Pat Berry and Jeff Quinto's podcast, where Pat and Jeff talk about their walk with Christ. My name is Pat Berry. And my name is Jeff Quinto. And about every two weeks, Pat and I get together and talk about our walk with Christ. This week, we're continuing our discussion about loving your enemies. We are doing it because it is important and it is difficult. I'm going to give a little uh, reference. This is from Matthew 5, 43 through 48, talking about loving your enemies. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So that's from the New Testament. Let's look at what the Old Testament says. Reading now Proverbs twenty-four seventeen and 18. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from you. And from Proverbs twenty-five twenty-one through 22. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. <laughs> I love that part about yeah. putting burning coals on his head by being kind to your enemy. That's, well, a, and that's what a, it does. That it does. So tell us a little bit about uh, our enemies. And uh, are they easy to spot? Are they hard to spot? Tell me about that. You know, that. sometimes uh, they're, they're very easy to spot. And uh, it doesn't mean it makes this command um, any easier. But sometimes, yeah, they are a lot easier to spot. Some, I'm thinking some will remember during the Cold War. I'm old enough to remember the Cold War, and everybody in America would recognize the Soviet Union as our enemy. We all knew that at any minute they could launch nukes and take us out, and we could do the same to them. They thought of us as an enemy, and we thought of them as an enemy. It was, it was pretty cut and dry. I mean, in some ways, really, the world... Uh, I won't say better, but in some ways it was easier knowing where the lines were. And the lines were very stark and they were very obvious during that time. Now today, you, there might be, you might think of terrorists as as being our enemy. You know, it's the big ones, the big ones that, that are a threat to our very existence as, as a country. But I think God is is talking about something different. Yeah, something different and something that exists today. You know, we live in a contentious society. We live in a society where there are essentially two sides and only two sides, and and they are separated uh, by a great distance, and they're unwilling to look at each other. Whatever side you've picked is the side that you're absolutely on, and you're unwilling to look at the other side as anything but dishonest and immoral. And they, of course, are doing exactly the same thing in reverse. So we have this idea that we, we have enemies within our own society, enemies who are people like us, people that think just differently than us, perhaps in a small way different from us. But this is what the problem is today, isn't it? We've separated ourselves into these tribes, and we we hate the tribe that, that is the other tribe, and they hate us, and never the twain shall meet. And it is it is so wrong. Absolutely. 
You know, and in a lot of ways, it's very similar to the way it was in the Cold War. In, um, I, I, when I was in college in early 20s, I met some people that came over from Eastern Europe and they talked about what they used to see, basically the propaganda that they were being fed by various governments uh, about how bad the United States was. They would show, uh, you know, some some bad areas of, say, some of our major cities that were kind of run down, and they'd put, you know, like Manhattan, downtown Chicago. Um, they would, I remember one lady, she laughed. Um, she said they had a picture of, I, I want to say it was a cow by a broken down uh, fence. And they said this was, it was one of the zoos, whatever, like the Bronx Zoo or, or whatever. They would be fed, they would be fed this. And we look at this and we say, that's ridiculous. How can anybody believe that? But when that's all the information you're given, when that's all the information that you know, you're going to think the opposition, whoever they may be on the other side of the world or right next door, is going to be the worst human being that ever walked the planet. And so it's happening today in, in a smaller sense where, you know, some of the things that, that were being fed about the opposition may not necessarily be true or is, is a huge distortion. Yeah. And yet we are pushed into one place or the other. And we're pushed into this one place or the other without accounting for the idea that we should investigate what each of us thinks, that there may be some common room for us to be together, but we're, we are so separated. And I think this, is, this speaks to this today, this loving your enemies. Instead of looking at people and, and judging them based on their being a part of a certain political group and you're part of the other political group, we, we need to be open to what they think. Why do they think that? And why are they the way they are? I remember an article that uh, Peggy Noonan wrote some years ago, and she said that uh, in the two-party system in the United States, you have the one party, uh, the Republican Party, which is the, the big thing is freedom. And so they are about freedom. And the Democratic Party was about the good. So in other words, the Democratic Party saw itself as looking for things to do good in society, and the Republican Party thought of itself as bringing freedom to people. Now, both of those are good things. They are different things. They are good things. And so what we've done is we've, we've cleaved a section here, and we've said, okay, you either believe in this or you believe in that, and never the twain shall meet. And, and that prevents us from ever getting together, and it becomes more and more. I think there must be... There, I shouldn't say there must be. There certainly is power in this division. There's, there's political power in dividing us. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help us. It doesn't advance God's cause. We are meant to be different from the culture. So the culture is split and in a way that seems irreconcilable. Perhaps we should be in the middle saying, you know, I understand why you feel this way. I feel that way. Getting together in a way that can, that can cause good change to happen and not just division. Absolutely. And I think if, uh, if you talk to your neighbor, most people aren't going to be as far apart as maybe we, we think from uh, first glance, because as you said, we've all picked our tribes and whatever tribe I'm in, uh, whatever my tribe is doing, well, that's, that's the correct way to do it. No matter how ridiculous it gets, uh, no matter how off the wall it gets. And, and of course, you know, our tribe isn't like their tribe. Because their tribe's crazy. 
<laughs> but it's true. It is true. And of course, you know, you know, I, I know God loves everybody, but he's really with us. Right, right. Newsflash. <laughs> I don't need I don't even think I need to finish that sentence. To your point, Jeff, I I, I think when, when you were talking about one's for freedom, one is one is for good. You know, if you if you talk to to your neighbor or the, the some friends or, or acquaintances I think you're going to have a lot more solid ground because there's there's way more in common with those two than there is different and especially if you've got Jesus in in the middle of it absolutely and you know we put our faith in princes you know the there's a a, a bible verse about that say do not put your faith in princes and that's what we do when we pick political leaders we put our faith in someone else not our faith in the only one that is worthy of our faith but in someone else you know it, it's funny because uh, we're watching tv just uh, uh, last night actually and they had these ads there, there must be so much money flowing into wisconsin for political ads that oh, you sure. have literally one ad for the guy and the next ad is an ad against the guy. And yeah. it's the same picture. Well, I shouldn't say it's the same picture. The first picture, which is for the guy, he's a handsome guy, and he's saying everything good, and you got to go, oh, yeah, boy, this guy is really something. I'm happy that he's going to represent Wisconsin. And then the second one comes, well, the picture isn't quite so flattering. And in fact, the, the, the lighting has changed a little bit, and he looks evil, and everything he's doing is horrible right next to each other. Which is it? Well, in my opinion, is neither. But we're so divided that we think everything has to be divided. And I think it's a, it's a duty of Christians to be open to the other. Now, when we say be open to the other, it doesn't just mean aliens in our midst. It means people that are different than us for whatever reason, including based on their opinions. We should find out why they feel that way. Now, doesn't mean that we have to change everything we believe in to accommodate them. I do not believe that. But what we have to do is be open to understanding why they feel the way they do. And maybe there's some common ground. Maybe it's a small space that we have in common. But it's worthy of investigating and then then looking to, to capitalize on that small space that we have in common. Because this isn't the only thing. You know, the, this is not the only place we're ever going to be with with God's help and and we're going to be in heaven together for eternity with God and so will these people and so let's bring people together let's let's be together in this instead of being so ridiculously apart all the time yeah when we put our faith in in human beings it doesn't matter who it is we're all human beings we are all fatally flawed and I don't know, the, the amount of faith that I see people putting in political candidates, I, I do, I shake my head. Not that, that a lot of them aren't good people, they're, they're trying their best, but they're still human beings. They're still going to be flawed. They're not the savior. They're not the person that, that is, is going to be perfect all the time. And I think both sides do it. Both sides put so much emphasis on these candidates, almost as if, they were chosen by God. I've gotten um, uh, over the, you know, and it just seems to be over like the past 10, 12 years. Oh, this is almost like God is coming down, touching this candidate, both sides, both sides. Oh, he's, God mandated um, that this candidate was going to, to win. My, my thought is God allows things to take place, but he doesn't touch candidates and say, you're going to be a winner. And there's a, there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference there. So I would say whatever whatever side 
of uh, of the aisle that people are on, just you know, take a step back and understand, hey, this person, they're a human being, they're flawed. Doesn't matter how good they are. They are they're gonna be flawed, they aren't gonna be perfect. And for someone who supports them, maybe have a conversation with them. Hey, you know what? Tell me, tell me why you support them and try to do it. It it gets so emotional at times. Try to do it without emotion and try to understand that Christ is in, in the middle of this and try to let him kind of lead that discussion. Yeah. You know, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say in the moment when you need to say it. And we're also meant to make a defense of our faith. And so I think this idea of loving your enemies is really meant to bring us together with people who we might not be ordinarily together with and and being open to them and listening. It doesn't mean we change our way of thinking. It doesn't mean that we each of us have to change. It means we have to just be aware of this other thought pattern, this other line of thinking that people have and and be open to maybe it makes sense to them maybe it does it undoubtedly makes sense to them maybe there's a reason that it makes sense to them maybe if we think about it it would make sense to us as well we might we might change the way we feel by listening to others and by being open to that and and so i think it starts with love which is the hardest thing of all it starts with approaching someone right. with love, right? Right. Because we want to, a thing you've said repeatedly, Pat, is that we, we argue for victory, not for truth. Yep. And that's just what we do. You know, we take a stand and, and we won't change from that stand. We're not trying to learn anything. We're trying to prove that we are right. And that's exactly wrong. If you're trying to learn something, you don't do it by proving that you're right all the time. You prove it by listening more than you're speaking. Right. It's, it's by grace and truth. The truth yeah. is scripture. The truth is the gospel. And you don't. Don't use the gospel as a weapon. And I've, I've seen that on both sides too. I've seen people wield that as a weapon and I'm, I'm a pretty mellow, you know me, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty mellow and even working on being more mellow and stress-free, <laughs> but there's a couple of things that, that do get me going. And when people wield the scripture as a weapon, I, yeah. boy, that, that, um, I don't like that. And here's the other thing, regardless of the side that does it, you want to turn somebody off of Christ, wield that over someone as a weapon. You, that doesn't mean you don't present it, but you present, you present the scripture in love. And you, you, know, you read the scripture, and what do, you, what do you think it says? And you, you go to guidance of the Holy Spirit, and you ask God and ask God to, hey, show you what that means, because we're, we've talked about this before too. How many times have, have you read scriptures? Maybe you've read something a hundred times and all of a sudden you read it and you say, I've never read that before, <laughs> right? Yeah, again because and all again. of a sudden it, you understand, you understand that you don't just go past it. You understand that it has specific meaning. Uh, one of them that uh, I was talking about uh, earlier was Luke, um, Luke, five. Luke 5. Yeah, where uh, Jesus is, is with a group of people and he's in a home and um, some friends try to get a, a quadriplegic in to see Jesus because they know he can he can heal the friend and they couldn't get in because there was there was so many people so they went on the roof and they lowered him in through the roof and the scripture said because of their faith Christ healed the man now I'd read that time and time and time again and it was a couple of weeks ago I heard a pastor say it wasn't the man's faith that was paralyzed it was the friend's faith that caused Christ to heal him. 
which is why we should pray for not only our friends, but for our enemies, because there's a lot of this. If you, if you have a biblical belief, if you have a faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to come to understand day by day by day how truly little we have control over. Truly. I, I mean, we, we like to think we have control over a lot, but we really don't. And uh, I think the more, the more you walk with Christ, the more you understand you need to turn over to him. I'm not saying that's an easy thing to do, but I'm just saying the more you understand, that's what you have to do. And when you do that, he does wonderful things in people's lives that we can't do because, again, we're human and we're flawed. Yeah. Well, that's just the truth, isn't it? That was a revelation to me as well when you pointed that out earlier, that it was their faith. It wasn't just the man's faith. There, there's several times Jesus heals people, and he says you're healed because of your faith, uh, such as the woman that touches his cloak. In this case, that's different, isn't it? It, it shows, too, uh, something about Scripture, not to, to take a detour here, but Every word in Scripture has been been thoughtfully placed. I've been I believe that it's breathed out by God, as we we learn from Second Timothy three sixteen, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason that it says their faith. It doesn't say his faith. It could have easily said his faith, and I've read it a dozen times or more, and I never saw that. It's because it's written so accurately and so succinctly. It was their faith, as you pointed out, and it does show the power of prayer. It shows the power of of people being together and praying for someone, for someone for helping someone, the, the power of a group helping someone, in this case, the, the paralytic. So it, it shows how powerful that is, and that is, that's important for us. It gives us power as a group, doesn't it? It gives us the body of Christ. It gives us power. It gives us power as, as groups of people praying for other people, praying for our enemies as we started this, talking about this, praying for our enemies. And it will change the world potentially. And it starts by changing our hearts. I think the whole thing with this is that it changes our hearts first, and from that, the world is changed. And I think that's what this is meant to do. We're meant to think of our enemies as different than we think of them today. We're meant to think of them as God's children, all of them, listening to what they have to say and not changing what, we're, what we believe because of what they said, but be acknowledging and, and honestly looking at what people say and trying to understand their point of view and taking that and hopefully building bridges instead of walls between us. I totally agree. And it's your, your, what you said about the, the changing of the heart. That is, I think, that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest takeaway. And really, it's one of the most difficult things to do. Uh, because again, we're, we're flawed. We're human beings. But I, I would just say, you know, present the gospel with, with truth and love. And it doesn't mean that we back off our beliefs, because truth is still truth. There's truth that doesn't change. It's like the the joke uh, we had a, a few weeks ago, the the older couple that was driving down the road and, and the, the wife uh, looks over at the husband and says, hey, why don't we drive you know close together like we did when we were dating? And the husband says, I haven't moved. <laughs> God doesn't move. God doesn't change. God was the same, you know, eons ago as he is today. God is the same. He doesn't he doesn't change. And th that's, what we, that's what we need to keep in mind. So the truth is the truth. And God's laws are, are God's laws. But there's a way that we can, we can present that and just get people to think about it because it goes back to we, all we can do is introduce Jesus to people. That's it. We just introduce him and 
he does the rest. I don't know how it works. All I, all I know is that it does work. There you go. This has been good, Pat. This has been a, a nice discussion. Helpful for me to think about loving our enemies and thinking about as it relates to people, enemies that, that shouldn't be our enemies, people that should be our neighbors, which be thought of as our neighbor, not as our enemy. And it's a, it's a different way of thinking. You know, Pat and I started this with a quote from C.S. Lewis, and we both believe this, that Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. I pray that you will join Pat and I in, in our understanding that this Christianity is in fact true, and if it is in fact true, it is infinitely important. It's worth basing our whole life on it, which we are attempting to do in our own uh, imperfect way, and I pray that you are as well. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we, we thank you for this teaching. We thank you for the idea that we should be looking at other people, not as our enemies, but looking to help them, looking to help them, looking to, to understand them in a fuller and different way, not just as a separate enemy who we, will, who we, are, we hate, but someone who we will love. Lord, you are love. You are the embodiment of love. Your son, Jesus Christ, the embodiment of love. So we are meant to be Christ in the world, and Christ in the world is someone who loves his neighbor, loves his neighbor as himself, as we as we know. And that I pray that we will do that, Lord. I pray that we will improve the way we are dealing with other people, that we will welcome people who we might not otherwise welcome, that we will love our enemies in every way. In Jesus' holy and mighty, mighty name, amen. Amen. <laughs>